You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. Today, my guest is Coach Michael Donnelly of Florida Southern University Men's Basketball. Coach Donnelly and his team are coming off a tremendous year with a 29-2 record, a impending national D2 player of the year, and unfortunately, a postseason cut short due to coronavirus. Coach Donnelly is just finishing up his fifth year at the head of the program, and we covered a lot of great things today including multiple practices I think coaches can take and implement immediately in their own programs. Among other things, Coach Donnelly and I discussed some of the core principles of his program, his intentional locker room arrangements, the importance of buy-in and player leadership on his team, how he utilizes his captains on a regular basis and how they are involved in his decision-making, and how he combats some of the struggles in today's college sports environment. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and probably could have talked to Coach Donnelly for another hour, but I'll get out of the way here so you can enjoy it as well on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Really appreciate you having you on the show. Well, I appreciate you having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we were just talking a little bit, just the, uh, the surrealness that's been going on with, with all the COVID-19 coronavirus craziness happening um you know to anybody listening coaches players uh you know our hearts and thoughts are with you guys as you if you if you've lost a season or you know struggling to maintain a program um definitely our our thoughts are with you and can't imagine what you're going through uh coach donnelly i know you're you, you got some struggles for yourself and you know your biggest concern with your your athletes at home right now is just making sure they they stay on top of their schoolwork um absolutely yeah yeah it's just been such a weird difficult time for everybody and um the big thing is just making sure our guys are staying on course and staying on pace to make sure they finish up with their studies for this semester right 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 um well on to hopefully some some more positive points here you know at four southern uh, men's basketball you know we haven't had too many men's basketball athletes or coaches on, you know, it's a little bit different dynamic with a much smaller team and a much smaller group on the court at one time. So you know, I'll be really interested to hear some of your responses here, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. But I think the best place to start where we normally start is, uh, you know, what are some of the fundamental values and principles that you preach as, as a coach, as a, as a staff, as an organization that really encourage leadership and, and the type of leadership culture you have on your team? Um, well, I think that stems from probably my, um, my big picture philosophy in coaching, which is I try to coach the way I wanted to be coached. Hmm. I played, um, and that's easier said than done. And what I mean by that is um, I, I just felt that when I played, I wanted to have a say. I wanted to 
um, you know, I wanted to lead on the court, off the court, um, as a player. Um, and I thought that whatever the coach said or did was great and we'll follow our coach's lead, but it ultimately comes down to, to us players. And that's kind of how I thought um, back when I played, and I've always tried to keep that in mind. Um, so, you know, we, we just try to really always stress to our guys, um, it's their, it, you know, it's their program. Um, and it's, it has to come from within. Um, we stress that all the time to our guys. And sometimes, it, like I said, it is easier said than done. Um, but we always tell our guys that um, really they're the ones that have to create, create our culture. Um, I always say to the guys, we watch everything that goes on in our program. We know everything that goes on both on and off the court. Um, and we'll interfere when, and intervene as needed. But for the most part, we want our guys um, to have that, uh, to have that say, to, to build out their own culture. Um, and with that, you know, I think players can evolve into developing some, you know, terrific leadership qualities. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really good model to have. And and you know, throughout these conversations I've had on the show, the coaches that that seem to have a a lasting culture have that same kind of mindset of, hey, you know, I, I'm just a coach. I create an environment that my players are, are comfortable, safe, and can reach their potential. But when it comes down to it, you know, it's really their program. It's their culture. They they have to create the buy-in among themselves. And, and I love how you started that saying, you know, you've always been – your coaching philosophy has always been to be the coach that you would want to have been coached by. And I have the same exact, uh, you know, thought process. For myself personally, you know, going through lacrosse in college and then – being in the military, you know, it's always, you know, in the back of my mind has been, okay, be, be the kind of leader that, that you've always want to be led by, you know, you've seen plenty of examples of really, really bad leadership uh, in sports and in life. And you've seen some good, good examples of good leadership uh, in and out of sports. So, you know, take the good, leave the bad and and kind of be that, you know, like you said, easier said than done. Um, Right. But I think it's a, it's a great, mental model to kind of always fall back on. Um, and it sounds like you have a good, uh, good philosophy in your program. And, and like you said, once you kind of set that environment of, Hey, this is your all's team. You guys kind of lead the path where this goes. It, it kind of just inherently pulls out some leadership qualities and you, you kind of just create opportunities for leadership to, to really present itself to, to your players. No, absolutely. And I've been here for five years and our first couple of years, um, you know, that was a struggle. That was a, that was a big time struggle for us um, because it was almost like we just needed a couple of our recruiting classes and to kind of be here for a couple of years to instill the philosophy that we wanted to instill in our program. Um, but by our third year, our guys were really picking up on it. Um, and then they understood what, we were talking about and um you know guys just kind of you know rose to the top if you will i mean that's what you want to see leaders do and um that's why we've had success over the last particular because you know we've had you know some really terrific leadership in our program um you know like i said over the last uh, few years here yeah no that's great and, and you know speaking of getting in some of your your recruits that were kind of your own your staff and yourself uh, how is leadership potential factored into the recruiting process for you guys as 
as you know, you kind of were starting to develop your own culture. And now as you improve, continually improve and develop that culture. Yeah, that's a good question. And that's something that we definitely consider when we're recruiting um, student athletes. Um, you know, I have a big belief, not everyone could be an all-star. So, you know, we believe that there's got to be a specific role for each guy in the team. Mm-hmm. And you need to bring in guys who don't, you know, uh, don't want to try to be in the spotlight. They don't need to score the points. They don't need to see their name in the headlines. But then you need some alpha dogs as well. And you need to bring right. in some terrific personalities, guys that you can tell have potential to be, you know, terrific leaders. Um, but you can't recruit 15 of those guys. Um, right. You know, that's our roster really is 14, 15 guys. So it's got to be a balance. And I think each class that we bring in, um, we try to – you know, kind of defining the recruiting process, guys that we feel one or two guys that we feel could be potential, you know, uh, strong leaders, um, you know, here, here at Florida Southern. Yeah, no, that's great. And I was really interested to hear your answer on that because basketball is such a small team. Everyone really needs to have a, a defined role. And like you said, you can't, you can't just have a, a roster full of, alpha dogs you can't just have a roster full of role players you can't have a roster full of of you know chiefs with with no one to follow them so uh, it's great to hear that you know you really do look at your recruits and say hey where do we see this individual fitting in on the team um and you know it's interesting you know you started by saying not everyone's an all-star you know i had a author of a great book sam walker he's the author of the captain class uh, he he kind of detailed the some of the, the 19 greatest sports dynasties over the last 100 years and figured out the only thing they all had in common was uh, the role that a transcendental captain played on their team. And the vast majority of those captains were never the best player on the team. And, wow. you know, uh, he asked one of the Brazilian soccer captains, because the dynasty for the Brazilian soccer team was during the time of Pele. He asked him, Hey, you know, how come Pele was never a captain? You know, he's the greatest player in the world, on the greatest team in the world. It's, it's interesting that he's never been the captain. And the captain kind of responded with when you're Pele, the greatest soccer player in Brazil and the greatest soccer player in the world, you don't have the time to be the captain. You don't have the, the mental, capacity to do both of those things at once um so it really is a a a role as a leader that isn't necessarily tied to your talent on the field or on the court no right no that's that's absolutely that's that's very interesting to hear and i agree with that a hundred percent we actually had uh um four guys named captain this year um they were the four four four-year guys that we brought in uh, in the program four years ago and one was a walk-on. One was a guy who didn't really get any time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, two guys were starters. One is actually going to be the Division II National Player of the Year. And the other um, was a four-year starter, but more of a role guy. Yeah. Um, our best player, the National Division II Player of the Year, he led by example, more quiet. And then the real vocal uh, captain was the was our four-year starter who was more of a role guy. But yeah. they worked you know, kind of really well together. Um, all four of them kind of, it was the first time I've ever had four captains yeah. uh, in a season and it just kind of worked out extremely well for us this year. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And it just goes to show you, you got four captains on a small team and even on a small team, all four guys played vastly different roles on the yeah. court and, and, and personality wise. And, and that's what it comes down to. Every team's different. Um, and, and part of being a coach, you know, we mentioned creating the environment where it really is the player's team and, and the coach kind of just creates the environment. But part of that is knowing what your team needs in terms of that leadership and the player buy-in. So how did you, um, you know, four, four captains for a basketball team is relatively a lot. You know, we only had three on a lacrosse team of almost 50 guys. Um, and so to have four, how did you select captains this past year? And, and how did you end up with, uh, with coming up on four? Well, as I, as I just mentioned, um, these four guys came in together. So they were really our first full recruiting class. Um, and with those four guys, I remember when we recruited them, um, we actually put them in specific spots in the, in our locker room. So I'm big on that. Mm-hmm. So when we have a guy a locker, it's for a reason, there's purpose behind it. And pretty much what I did was I put all four of those guys in the corners of the locker room. So I each guy, corner, um, because I thought their input and their voice and their direction would be that important for us. Yeah. Now, it was a work in progress, but over the last couple of years in particular, that really helped having those oh, four yeah. guys each different corner of the locker room. Um, and I think when I was, you know, deciding on if I was going to name just two captains or four captains this year, um, I ultimately decided, well, they, everyone is brings something different and everyone is just as important mm-hmm. as the next guy. Um, and they're really close. Those guys developed a close bond and friendship. Right. And I thought it would be a major mistake if I left one or two guys out of that um, because they're all were deserving. They're all really good students, mm-hmm. character guys, work, gym rats, worked extremely hard. So, you know, their productions levels were different. And I didn't want to just base my decision on naming captains based off of production. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I made that decision. And I'm glad I did because those four voices were critical for us there and uh, for us this year. And uh, each guy, like, you know, you had mentioned played a different role for us. And uh, we had one of the best program, uh, best years in programs history. We went 29 and two this year. So it really worked out for us. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, And that's just such a testament to what you and your coaching staff have done since you've gotten there, you know, your first full recruiting class. And now you've had four successive recruiting classes all together on the team. And, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing the results of that. And that, the, the locker placement, that's one of the coolest things I've heard on this show and how much it's actually helped hearing from you, you know, really just putting a guy in each corner. Like that's a yeah. huge, yeah, it sounds so simple, but you know, and I like how intentional you are about your, your choices. And I think that was one thing I always took away from, from my coach, coach Javarizzi at West Point. He was the first guest I had on the show. And, you know, obviously, you know, I, I had one perspective as a player, one perspective as a graduate, and then one perspective, you know, as a, as, a, as an interviewer. Um, but one thing that always struck me with him was how intentional his choices were in practice, in creating opportunities for us as individuals or as a team. And, and just the decisions he made, everything always had a reason. Um, sure. And, and to see that reflected in, in your strategies and, you know your locker placement when it comes to that like that's just the cool stuff you like to hear and, and, and any coaches out there listening like 
if you're not going to take anything else away from the show that you're going to implement, like that's something you can take tomorrow and say, okay, maybe next season I, I'm going to, I'm going to be very intentional with, with how we divide up the locker room. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, and, the, and I appreciate that. And the reason why I thought that was important because it kind of stems from my philosophy. It's got to come from within and right. You know, I always talk to our guys like, Hey, we're with you two hours of the day, maybe two and a half, three hours at right. most. And then the other 21 to 22 just, hours, yeah. you're just regular students. You're regular right. guys. And you're with each other more than we're actually with you as a coaching staff. And they're in that locker room so much. And as you know, you've been through it as a college athlete, like so much good or bad can happen in that locker oh, yeah. room. Oh yeah. And you need those voices. Um, and then I thought if there was, you know, nothing's ever perfect and you're going to go through some adverse times, um, times where guys aren't, you know, on the same page or, they're upset with the coaches or coaches upset with the players. But at the end of the day, you need those, those voices in that locker room that are going to really, um, you know, really kind of stress the importance of positivity and that program culture. Um, and that's why I thought it was important to put four guys in the corner of the lo- different corners of the locker room because that was ultimately going to be the biggest voice. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's so awesome. Again, coach, I just, I'm, I'm a little, just in awe, just such a simple, a simple thing that I, one, I've never heard. I'm sure somebody had done it at some point. Um, but just something so cool that's had such an impact, uh, straight, straight from you. Um, is there anything else that goes on behind the scenes, uh, that maybe the outside world or maybe even your players don't really see that you think promotes leadership development or, or an extra layer of team cohesion? Um, well, I always try to, give our guys the ability to have a lot of say. And a lot of the things that we do as a program um, come from our guys. So for instance, um, you know, we are allowed 30 minutes of a pregame warmup um, before every game. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling our guys four years ago with this specific class, I remember telling them, I could care less how you warm up. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like every player, and I learned this um, as I got early in my coaching career, every player gets ready differently. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be the one dictating how you should warm up. And with this specific class, when they were freshmen, they actually came up with their own 30-minute pregame routine. Um, I mean, I oversaw it, and there was a couple things that I tweaked but ultimately, our guys were really the ones that said, hey, coach, this is what we want to do. This is how we think as a group we can get ourselves mentally and physically ready to play. And that was so important. And it gives them a lot of responsibility, gives them a voice, gives them ownership. And I thought since they were the ones that created that pregame routine. They better make sure that they're ready. Yeah. And, you know, usually they were because it was their routine and they bought into it. And, uh, you know, that's just one example I can – I can probably give best as something that, um, you know, nobody outside of our program really knows about, but I think that's important. Our guys need ownership. They need a voice. And then once when they created it, I knew they were going to max out right. in the pregame routine because all of them were bought into it. Yeah, no, that's, you know, one of the biggest things in leadership, you know, on a, on a conceptual level, if you will, is creating buy-in, creating the, the ownership, of a plan right. or a strategy or tactics um, and to see it implemented on a practical level of, Hey, this is your guys warm up. What are your ideas? You guys came up with this. Okay. 
um, now let's run with it. There should be no kind of second guessing or doubts or lack of buy-in here since this is your plan and you are executing it. Um, you know, exactly. it's something, something we see in the military all the time, you know, you get your, you get your squad leaders and, and your, and your team leaders input on plans. So nobody's asking questions of, Hey, why are we doing this again? I don't think this is the best idea. Like you either gave your opinion or had the chance to give your opinion. And if you didn't give your opinion when it was asked for, you know, you, you can't really argue with it later down the line. So, you know, that's exactly. a great, a great instance of, you know, putting your money where your mouth is giving some, some buy-in and some ownership away to your, to your players and them, you know, running with it and, and taking ownership of it and seeing how well it's worked out again, just, you know, seeing the results of you guys, you know, 29 and two is, is phenomenal beyond measure for any program, any sport. Um, just awesome to see some of the things that you think have made such a, a big impact, you know, with, with the success and, and I'm sure you had some, some bumps along the way, what has been your biggest challenge in terms of program development maybe, or, or player leadership development? And what are some ways that you, you and your staff have overcome those? Well, I think without question right now, our biggest challenge is uh, outside noise, um, disruption from the outside. And we talk about it all the time. Um, and in this day and age, so I give the example all the time where, um, you, you know, when I played, if I didn't play well or if I didn't get X amount of minutes or X amount of shots up, or X amount of points, I didn't have to worry about anybody from the outside bombarding me with yeah. asking why, what's wrong, why is your coach doing that, and second-guessing anything. Mm -hmm. Now, like, as soon as our guys are finished with the game, I mean, our games are all streamed online. I mean, um, everyone has access to our stats, our live stats, and like I said, the all of our games are streamed online, and anybody can log in and watch us play, and um, when our guys, their friends, family, girlfriends, former coaches, when they're logging in to watch us play, they're not watching necessarily Florida Southern. They're logging in yeah, to watch. watching that individual person. Exactly. And uh, I think that's been our, our biggest struggle. And I would, I would imagine that's a struggle across the board in all sports across the country right now is the outside noise. And I, we talk about it. I'm just very open and honest with our guys. And I said, look, you know, that's natural. And, of course, your people who support you want to see you do well, um, but you have to understand you can't let that, you know, disrupt our vision and cloud our vision and get in the way of our goals. Um, and just understand their concern is just coming from a concern of support and love. And I understand that. And we tr just try to get our guys to under, uh, understand that as well. But that's really hard to do. Um, yeah. You know, our, if we have a kid who's playing maybe just a few minutes a game and then he gets taken out for something and then we have other guys that seem to, to make a million mistakes and they're not getting taken out for the same mistake that so-and-so um, did, that, that could be a problem. Um, as, as much as we talk about it and try to be open as coaches with our players, that could be a problem when the outside world, you know, gets involved. Um, and I don't know what the right – solution is for that i think the best way is just communicating and yeah. right now and just talking about it and we talk about constantly with our guys um and again we want people to support us we want our uh, our loved ones to watch us and support us and all that i think that's extremely important but we always try to insulate ourselves and we try to put a bubble around 
our, our, our locker room, so to speak, to try to keep everything together as a team. So we're not letting those things distract us from, you know, being successful. Yeah. And I think that is, I think you're spot on coach. It definitely is a struggle for, for all teams across the country, especially today where you have all your games live streamed online, you have social media and everyone's got three, four social media accounts across, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, people can comment anonymously or not anonymously. And, you know, it does kind of weigh on individuals. And unless you do have that open stream of communication and constantly reinforcing and reinsuring that, hey, remember, we're in this as a team. We have a team goal. The, the end result that we care about is the scoreboard, not your individual stat sheet. Um, right. And I think, you know, like you said, the more you communicate it and you're open and say, hey, I, I know the struggle that you all are going through. I get it. I understand right. how tough this must be. However, this is something that we have all agreed upon by being a part of this team, by coming to this program and set goals for ourselves through the season. <laughs> we have individual right. goals, but remember those team goals and, and, you know, winning a championship at the end of the day is, is going to come before your stat sheet and your minutes. And then I think a big piece, and this is something my coach did a really, really good job of, um, and, and I'm sure you do the same thing, coach, from what it sounds like you guys are, are to the same mind, is, is making sure that everyone knows their role and that even if you're not a guy who plays a whole lot on game day, how important your role is in other places, whether that be right. in the locker room, in warmups, in the huddle, on the scout team especially. Um, everyone has a role to play and understanding that without you, the team is less than. Um, and just because Absolutely. you're not playing a lot of minutes, the team, you're expendable to the team. That's, that's, that's not the right way to think about it. So, uh, you know, the, when it comes down to, I think, your answer, communication, communication, communication is, is, is the solution to a lot of problems. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we always try to tell the guys, look, you already made it. Like you already, everything right. you, for your entire sport life up until now is to be in this room, to be in this locker room, to be, exactly. to be in this, through this door. You've earned your scholarship. You've made it. Now you got to enjoy it. And how do you enjoy it? It's not by being self-centered and worrying about things that are irrelevant. It's about enjoying the experience, developing a true bond and the way you do that is through winning. That's how you're going to enjoy it the most. And it sounds a little corny at times, but, you know, we really just talk a lot about that with the guys. And by doing that, I'm hoping that we take some pressure off the guys and just give them a different perspective and try to say, wait a minute, you know, coach is right. Like I already made it. I did it. And now let me enjoy it. And let me just do what I can do to contribute to the success of the program. Yeah, no, that's a, a really interesting way of thinking about it. Um, you know, you've already made it, you know, all the work and stressing about individual achievement in high school, you know, that was to ensure that you could get a scholarship to go to a good school. You could get recruited by a good academic school or a good athletic program to know, give yourself an opportunity at higher education. Um, you know, D2 basketball and lacrosse at any level, you know, you don't, there's no pro, there's not much of a pro prospect right. you know lacrosse especially no one had any delusions of, of making a million dollars and making a career out of lacrosse so um 
you know, it's kind of, Hey, what, what are we really here for? Like, do I really care if I'm the all-star of the team? You know, like you said, you've proved everything you've needed to, to get where you want. You've used the sport as a tool to get to where you are now. So now enjoy it. And I think that's a great, exactly. a great perspective to have. Um, and just another piece that, that coaches and captains can kind of push that message to their, to their teammates and, and everyone around them. Uh, is, is there right. anything in terms of uh, special training or development programs that either your captains go through specific, specifically once they're selected or, you know, daily, weekly check-ins you have with them as a coach, kind of how, how do you utilize them once they're kind of selected? Um, well, I think the biggest thing is that I just, you know, I'm, I'm very open as you can tell, I'm sharing a lot of different things that we do as a program and as a staff. Like, so I am very open with our team, but I even try to put our captains on another level. Mm -hmm. um, so we give them a lot of responsibility and I try to include them a lot with not so much decision-making, but just kind of let them know some things that are going on. And I just want their input. Right. So I will call the four, like this year, we had the four captains, like I said, so I will call those guys in the office, you know, five, 10 minutes before practice, or I'll have them stick around afterwards uh, of practice to talk to them. Um, you know, I have a special group text with the four captains and I just really seek their advice and opinion and their input quite a bit. Now, every class, every captain class is different, but these guys in particular, it was, you know, watching them develop and grow and have a strong relationship with these guys over the last four years. So this year's class, captain's class, we, I was very close to. So I really trusted their input um, and just tried to really um, allow them to have, like I said, a, a voice. And um, I always say to them, I'm not necessarily going to agree with everything you say, but what they tell us is extremely important right. with as a staff trying to put together um, Decisions and our right decisions are just what we feel is right for the program, not necessarily, not necessarily right for an individual person, but for right. what's the best interest of our program. So uh, I think that's probably the, the best thing I, I can, the best way I could, you know, try to describe that. Um, we just really always try to let the captains in on more decision making, um, you know, things than, um, than, than, than the rest of the guys in the, in the program. Because I think the captains have earned that. Right. I think that the reason why they're captains because they've established a, a level of trust and they've earned it throughout their, um, you know, their period with us as a program. And they've, they've earned that responsibility as, as leaders. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way to utilize them. And I think captains in general should be used as a, a sort of messenger of the coach and the rest of the staff's messages, you know, Hey, right. this is, Hey, you're getting inside. Look, you're getting a little peek behind the curtain of, Hey, some, some program level stuff, uh, some strategy level stuff for, for the season. Now we're entrusting you to take these decisions we've made and, and put a voice behind it. That is the teams, you know, put it in your own voice, your own words, carry the message that we've all decided as a group is going to be the way ahead. And, and now you take this, make it your own, make it the team's own. Um, right. And, and I think, you know, you said, you know, maybe not necessarily giving them um, decision-making power on everything, but at a very minimum, including them in on the process and including them in on the information disbursement. That is just such a big piece of buy-in 
And once you get that from the captains, you know, the rest of the team feels and knows that the captains have been included just by the way things are received and heard and, and put out by the captains. People know if their captains are being included. Um, just like the same way anybody who's in any sort of position, they know how their leadership is treated by the next level of leadership. Um, and, and, and that just, it creates a whole chain when everyone thinks that everyone has each other's best and best interests. And is uh, absolutely. So I think that's a great way of utilizing your captains. And we try to give the captains the why a lot. So yeah, yeah. don't necessarily have the time to explain the why all the time to our team, but exactly. when, need, when need be, we really try to emphasize the why, like why we are doing these things to our captains. So like you just said, they can relay that to the rest of the team. And that's worked out pretty well for us because yeah. players know the why, right? They want to know, wait, why are we yeah. doing this? And again, you don't have to do it all the time, but I think, and I've learned this over the last couple of years, like when I started at 28 years old as the head coach, I was real close in age with some of our guys. Mm-hmm. And that was a different relationship and different communication mm-hmm. with those back, you know, 17 years ago. But now I'm 45 years old. And I, I was I was brought up in a different time than our players had been brought up a different generation, and it's just so important to you know try to keep that in mind. And you do have to explain the why more now than you did 15, 20 years ago because yeah. that happened when I played. Like whatever this coach said, you just did. You didn't yeah, question. Yeah, to change though, obviously. Yeah, for sure. And and like you said, you know that's two two really good points. Is is one, you don't always have time to tell your whole team. That, and that's what right. your captains are for. You, you entrust them to make sure that that message gets carried down. And then two, hey, it is important to sometimes kind of break it down for your entire team. So, you know, at least every once in a while, they understand you're not some guy losing his marbles, doing stuff <laughs> for no reason. Um, they can trust you. Hey, that, you know, the, the, every five times he explains it to me, and it makes sense all, all those times. So I, I trust him the rest of the, you know, the other 80% of the time. Um, so I think that's important. And then, you know, the second big piece of that is as coaches and leaders, understanding the climate changes, um, you know, personalities change. There's, there's generational shifts um, that kind of just occur. Like you said, you know, it, now you, you, you sometimes have to explain the why a bit more. You know, there's social media, there's, like you said, all the live streaming and, and outside noise is a lot more different now, um, especially for, for some sports like, you know, for us, like, you know, I'm sure when Coach A started coaching, maybe one or two of his games were streamed online or on TV a season. And now every single game is streamed across the country for every program. So it's those changing times you kind of have to adjust your, your overall strategy. Um, how do you feel you make the biggest impact as a coach on your players and specifically their development as leaders? I think it's just being, trying to remain and being consistent and fair as possible mm-hmm. and not give mixed messages. I think that's what players strive. That's what they want. They want consistency. They want fairness. Um, and they want to, um they want honesty they mm-hmm. they don't want to be bs like they they want directness right. and i think that's that's extremely important um you know and 
it's, it's like I said earlier, it's easier said than done. Um, but that's really what I try to do is just be as consistent and as fair as possible. Um, like we don't have, we have a, obviously like all programs, like beginning of the year, I don't call them rules. I, I, I call them expectation and standards. Um, we don't have defined rules. If guys get in trouble or this, that, the other, there's expectations, how you, you are expected to act and represent our program, what, how you expect to act in the academically and you have to hold up your end of the, of uh, the bargain and responsibility academically. Right. So, um, you know, we don't, I don't, put myself in a pigeonhole myself in a corner with specific rules, but, and the guys know that, but they just need from me, I think, all right, coaches being very consistent and fair with all his decision-making um, as best he can. And I, that's what I try to do as best as I can with, with our group. Yeah, no, I think that's huge. You know, uh, I actually had a, had another guest on this morning, um, coach Clakely from Presbyterian college women's lacrosse and a big thing that he was focusing on was the consistency of messaging. Um, yeah. The more consistent you are, the more authentic you are, your players will continue to respond in a positive way. And sometimes that means even if they disagree with you, they aren't necessarily upset because they know, Hey, you know, he's, he's been the same way the entire season. He's been the entire, this way all four of my years being here. And this is who he is. So right. you know, this, and like you said, this is the bargain that, that you and your players have made. These are my expectations. Um, and this is the kind of person I am. So when those expectations are or are not met, you can expect the same thing from me um, in either situation. Uh, Cause this is right. who I am and this is how I, how I tend to act. So I think that's a good, that's a good, um, definitely a big impact and your players see that and, and they respond to it for sure. Um, absolutely and and I know you've got four great captains on your team this year so I don't expect you to to have to narrow it down to, to just two but you know who are some of the best captains and it doesn't even have to be from your time at Florida Southern but who are the two best captains or, or some of the best captains you've ever coached or played with or experienced firsthand and and why do you think they were so successful uh, I think the best way to answer that is not group them by individuals, but by his classes. So yeah. I'll just, the best example is probably this past year. I mean, right. yeah. fifth in the country, we had, you know, tremendous success this year and you don't, you know, attain that success with just talent. Yeah, of course we had talent, but we had great leadership. Um, our captains did a great job. Um, as soon as I um, appointed those guys captains last year at our, at our spring banquet, that's what I like to do. Um, mm -hmm. So they, uh, you know, ample time to know that their responsibilities and their roles going into this year, they knew that they were going to be the captains going into this season. Um, and then my uh, second to last year at Southern Connecticut, so that was 2013, 2014. We went to the lead eight. We won 30 games. Um, and I had three captains that year, one senior, and then two were uh, juniors. And uh, the one senior in the team was one of the best players I've ever coached. He's actually an assistant for me now. Um, and those two seasons, those two classes of captains were just, um, they're just great, uh, people, high character, good students, uh, and they were bought in a hundred percent. And, uh, I think that's probably the two classes that kind of stand out the most. And it's not a coincidence that those were the two best years that we've had in my 17 years as 
as being the head coach at the division two level. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I, and I'd be willing to bet that those weren't necessarily the two most talented teams you've coached, but right. the most successful, um, you know, and that kind of goes with the, the first tenet of leadership we preach at the captain's coach is everything rises and falls with leadership. Um, so when the leadership's in place and you have all the pieces together, uh, you can have a lot more success than if you're just riding on, on talent alone. Um, is there any other advice you have coach for team captains, players that, that are aspiring to be leaders on their teams or, or coaches out there looking for guidance in, in leadership development? Um, well, you know, it, it's interesting when we do recruit, uh, we're across the board recruiting. So we recruit high school kids, prep school kids, and now we're a lot of transfers. I mean, that's kind of where everything is, is shifted towards. I mean, the transfer portal has changed everything recruiting wise. And uh, we brought in four transfers in last year's wow. recruiting class and all four kids were great fits for us. Um, but you have to be careful with transfers. They're transferring for a reason. And a lot of feedback that we're getting from transfers um, last year, right now, I mean, we're currently recruiting a lot of transfers for our, our 2020 class. You hear that, you know, there's a, been a lack of leadership um, and that, not a knock on coaches, more players. Right, um, right, right. They, 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 they know that part of the reason why their team didn't have success was the lack of leadership um, from the players in, in the program. And that I hear that quite a bit. And that just kind of reemphasizes to me how important it is to make sure that uh, this is a player-led program. Um, right. And that mean, doesn't mean we just roll the balls out and the players can do, you know, what, whatever they want to do. Obviously, that's not what I mean at all. But they have to take ownership. It's got to come from within. Um, the players have to have say. And you need those role models. You need those leaders uh, in your program. And I think from a coaching standpoint, sometimes we get so caught up in talent mm -hmm. and looking at like how physically gifted or what a kid can, cannot do from a, from a physical standpoint, we forget about the important side of like, Hey, what type of character, what type of potential leadership is this person going to bring into our program? What type of impact is that player going to have on our chemistry? Because chemistry I mean, leadership and chemistry go hand in hand, right? right. I mean, that yeah. ultimately makes a successful program, successful yeah. team. You need strong leadership, which usually means you have great team chemistry. Right. And it can't be great coaching chemistry. It's got to be great team chemistry. So right. there's coaches, managers, they all have to work as one. And that's probably my best advice is continue to listen to the players you have in your program and the players that you're recruiting. They provide – um, awesome feedback and that can help develop your philosophy as a coach I think and realizing the things that you you continue to need to do in your program or maybe that you're missing in your program to uh, try to put yourself in be the best position to be successful yeah no that's that's really interesting to hear especially the the uh, kind of the situations surrounding transfers and I think that speaks twofold kind of two sides of the same coin one that like you said, coaches sometimes overlook the importance of leadership in their programs from, from a player's perspective. Um, and it definitely is something you need to focus on in your recruiting because obviously some of these schools, somebody's losing players due to these reasons. And then two, it also speaks volumes of your program and the types of players you're bringing in that 
on their priority list is leadership, you know, right. whether it's opportunities for their own leadership development or their yearning for their own skills to be led for, for themselves to be led and, and to be led in a way that they want to be led. Um, I think a lot of times we, we forget that leadership is a service. You are doing it for those you lead. Um, right. You know, great, great quote that I've said on the show before, uh, a leader without followers isn't a leader. He's just walking. Um, and I like and that. And sometimes we forget, you know, they're, you know, the people we lead yearn for leadership. They want decision-making, they want answers, they want to be influenced and to keep that in mind and know that leadership is a service. You're a leader for those, um, keeping that in mind as, as a player, you know, looking for those opportunities, you know, that's going to, that's going to do wonders for you down the road. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good point. And as coaches, we talk all the time and I think, Sometimes coaches, we don't realize how important leadership, player leadership is until you don't have it. And right. yeah, exactly. you don't know right away when you don't have it. And usually oh, yeah. it's you don't have great chemistry. You got some internal issues. You're, you have some talent, but you're just not clicking the way that you know you need to click in order to achieve a lot of success. And, um, you know, I, that's usually what you hear from coaches that, you know, they don't realize how important that is until they know they don't have it. Um, and that's just, that's why you just, like you said, you just got to be so mindful of how uh, important that is to your program. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I like how you, you kind of frame that in terms of, you know, markers of when you know you're lacking it, you know, you go mm -hmm. from one season to the next, you didn't graduate a lot of talent and yet your record starts to slip at the beginning of the year and you're trying to figure out what it is. It's, it's, it's probably the, the leadership and the team chemistry piece um, right. when it comes to that. So just another, another thing to be aware of. Um, don't want to take too much more of your afternoon up here, coach. I'll just, you know, get a, a couple more questions out of you, starting with my favorite since I get a different, different answer every time and, and hear some pretty cool stuff out of it. What is your definition of leadership? My definition of leadership is, I think, to really um, be 100% committed to the process. In order to do that, you have to be unselfish. Um, and it can't be about you. And we say that all the time. When I'm, it, I always say, you, it can't be your agenda. You can't make it about yourself. And think about it like it's hard to do that and I always think about that for myself like wait a minute is everything evolving around have to do with me and that's really hard to um, correct that's really hard to instill and establish but I think that's extremely important the best leaders in my opinion best leadership is when it's not about you yep. when you're making decisions that's for the greater good of the group for the greater good of in our sense, you know, in our, in our situation, it's the, it's the program. And as soon as you start making it about yourself, I think there's a lot of issues that come with that. And, you know, you're setting yourself up to fail, in my opinion. Um, it's just really hard to try to keep that balanced um, to being selfless, to remain committed um, to just being unselfish and trustworthy and honest. I mean, those are all just, we all should strive that anyways, as people, but I think in leadership, yeah. that's, extremely important it can't be about you it's got to be about more than 
just yourself in, uh, in the process. Yeah, I love that. I love that definition. And it really just boils down to, like you said, unselfishness. And it's funny you mentioned, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, it's hard enough to do that as, as a person in general. Um, but yeah. then to, to do it in the sports arena where it is a lot of individual effort and, you know, you're working as a team. But I love that, that mindset. The greatest leaders, when they act and their individual actions and their decisions you know, the, the common theme is they're not making those decisions in the framework of, hey, what is this doing for me? How is this going to impact me? How is this bettering me? This is, their decisions are, I'm doing this for the team. I don't care what, like, they're, they aren't even a thought in their own mind when they make right. those decisions and, and, and in their actions. Everything they do is, how is this going to better the team? Um, how is this decision going to affect the team? Um, they don't care if it negatively impacts themselves. That's why you see the leaders on the team as juniors and seniors picking up <coughs> practice, carrying right. water to and from practice, cleaning up the locker room after everyone else is gone. Because, you know, God knows they got stuff to do, but they're not thinking about <coughs> right. how that's affecting them. They're thinking, hey, you know, this locker room is a reflection of the team. This is going to help us out. And also, hey, coach is going to be pissed if the locker room is not clean and he's going to come down on, on the rest of the team, um, even if it's – somebody else's stool is down. Um, it's going to look bad. I'm going to help this guy out um, because he's part of the team. So I think that's a, a great way to kind of boil it down when it, when it comes to leadership uh, for sure. Um, I think, and then uh, the only thing else I got coach, is it, do you got any, uh, some, some books or a book that you, you often recommend to either your players or other coaches out there? Well, we had the guys, um, we had the guys read this book this year, uh, Chop Wood, Carry Water by Joshua Mick. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, he actually came to Florida Southern and he spoke to our student athletes uh, back in October. He was tremendous. So then we bought the book for the guys and we had the guys read the book. And uh, it was awesome because it wasn't, you know, we weren't forcing it down their throats after they heard uh, Joshua speak. Right. Right. They were, they loved to read his book. It was, it's an easy read. Uh, it's a great book. And then um, a lot of the guys went and they bought his other books as well. Like pound the stone is one that I read this year as well. And a lot of our guys uh, read it too. So, um, you know, that's a book that I thought had a lot to do with our success this year. Um, and it really started, you know, we started our season pretty much in the middle of October and that's when Joshua came to speak with us. That's when we got their guys, the books. And I thought, that's that was a great way for us to start our season. That's awesome. That's, that's a, such a cool story uh, and a great book. Yeah, any coaches or players, athletes, pretty much anyone out there, um, chop wood, carry water. It's a it's it's definitely worth the uh, worth a couple bucks on Amazon. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Coach Donnelly. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Some awesome, awesome insights here. Uh, a lot to a lot of things that coaches can take away and implement tomorrow, uh, next week this coming season, um, whatever. I, I think you got some specifics there to, to, to work on. Um, well, yeah. thank you. Thanks. I, I, I greatly appreciate you having me. Uh, you, you do a great job and this was enjoyable. I really appreciate it as well. Appreciate it coach. Thanks for listening to the captain's coach podcast with Luke Poulos. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.